0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, everybody. We are here. It's the Field of 68 live off-season update. It is Tuesday, May 9th. And God, I've missed these two. I haven't seen Rob Doster and Jeff Goodman on the same call at the same time in like a month and a half. It feels insane to me. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, guys. Crazy week in college basketball. The offseason continues to ramp up. We've got transfers. We've got scandals. We're going to get to all of it today, but most importantly on this very show, Noah Tomasin is going to commit he is going to announce his destination. That's going to happen about halfway through this show. So if you are here for Noah, stay tuned. Around 11:30, we will bring him on live, and you will get to hear from him exactly where he is headed next year. But first, guys, I got to congratulate you. We've got huge news for the Field of 68. The Field of 68 tip-off, an event that is the first of its kind in college basketball, is coming. Next season to Boca, and the two of you are going to be there. Jeff, I'll throw to you first. What does this mean to you that we've been able to announce this today?
2: Well, it means I get to go to Boca <laughs> at the end of November and early December. It's a ultimate veteran move. Now, uh, this is this is a great event. You know, three of the best mid-major teams, and honestly, you know, all I hear about from all these these really good mid majors is they can't get high majors to play them. And it makes sense because everybody's going to 20 uh, games in their league. They don't want to play Charleston or Liberty or on most years, FAU. Now this year, it's a little different for FAU because they're going to be preseason top 10. They're going to be a quality opponent. If you lose to FAU this year, it doesn't look like a bad loss. So we've got these three teams starting in Boca. It's a three-year series, and it'll rotate Boca this year, Charleston next year, So it'll be an easy uh, take for me next year because I'll already be there. Uh, And then Liberty the third year. And again, they're playing each other each year. Um, So it's going to be a three-day event uh, every single year. And we'll be there uh, to have pregame shows, postgame shows. Uh, I'm not sure what they're going to be on right now TV-wise. I assume they'll be on ESPN, FAU coming in with so much juice this year. So we're excited because, again, I grew up, Greg, on, on mid-major basketball. I would prefer to go to a good mid-major game any day of the week than, than to go to a ha- uh, high-major game. And I know people may think I'm crazy when I say that, uh, but it's more fun. Like, it's more fun being in the locker room, you know, seeing, uh, you know, guys like Elijah Martin and John L. Davis and talking to those kids with the run that they made last year. I can't wait to go to Boca.
3: Yeah, the thing that I'm most excited about, guys, is that it's a chance to shine a spotlight on some of the programs that deserve some of that spotlight. Like, look, we we spend a lot of time on this show and on this network talking about the high majors, talking about the Dukes, talking about the Yukons, talking about the Kansases, talking about Kentuckys, talking about Michigan's, talking about the biggest programs in the sport, because – They have the biggest followings in the sport, right? It's a business at the end of the day, but we're called the field of 68 for a reason. We're supposed to be talking about everyone. And I think we did a good job with that last year with Furman. We were able to get down there. We were able to highlight uh, how good that team is, how good that program is, how good that city is. And it paid off because they went out and they won a game for us in the NCAA tournament. And I think that with FAU, Um, And the success that they had last year, Charleston, the success that they've had uh, over the years and Liberty is one of the best mid-major basketball programs that you're going to find consistently. Um, I think being able to uh, use our platform to, to, to kind of promote those programs and showcase that there is good basketball. That's not just played in the ACC or the big East or the big 10 or the big 12 or the sec notice. I didn't say the PAC 12 Gregory. Um, So I think (laughs) that being able to kind of highlight those programs is something that's really good. Now, That's the positive. The downside is that I have to go spend three days in Florida with Goodman. And if you've ever been around Goodman when he's near the beach, he likes to take his shirt off at the beach. This is going to be a problem. We're going to have to find a way. Uh, I've already been in discussions with Pat Kelsey and with Dusty May and with Richie McKay to get it written into the contract that Goodman is not allowed to take his shirt off at the beach. Uh, Those negotiations are still ongoing. You know what the good thing is, Rob? Sources you know are telling is, me I got that athletic we greens. feel confident that Goodman is not going to take his shirt off when we get to Boca Raton.
2: I have athletic greens, so I am going to get into <laughs> shape. by, by uh, I've already hit athletic greens here since I've been back from the Final Four. I'm going to look like a a, a a mean fighting machine by the time we get to Boca.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've heard rumors like four or five a
2: day. Athletic greens, yeah. right, Jeff? Yeah. I mean, yes to say? It's easy. It's, impressive. it's, it's, impressive. Easy. it's convenient. It's cheap. Like everything about athletic greens honestly works for somebody like me.
3: Promo Impressive. code Field for the record, Field six eight. There we go. Uh,
1: My only surprise when you guys told me about this event is that it's not in Charleston year one after Jeff spent so much time there last season. I figured we'd go right to our city. But, hey, at least something to look forward to, right? And Boca's not a bad alternative here. In all seriousness, guys, I congratulate you so much on this. I know how big this is for uh, us as the Field of 68 and all the work you guys have put in. Rob, to your point... Uh, you guys do a great job. Our whole network does a great job of covering everybody in this sport, even from little projects like our off the carousel series where we highlight new coaching hires or courting Cinderella, where we literally talked to every single opponent of every single at large team in the NCAA tournament last year. And I feel like this is sort of like a crowning coronation of our efforts in all of those projects to be able to go to an event and host an event. That includes a team that's top 10 in the country that no one saw coming last year and two of the other best programs in the country at that level. It's going to be so fun. I think this is a win for college basketball at large, and uh, I know how much work you guys have put into this. So congratulations, my friends, but let's move on because we have so much to talk to today. Uh, And look, the news of the sport yesterday, surprising news out of nowhere was Bob Huggins, who went on a Cincinnati radio show. He apologized late afternoon after he used an anti-gay slur during an appearance on that show. Look, there's no excuse for what he said. Incredibly stupid would be what I would frame it as. There's just no reason to ever go there. If you listen to the radio show, it had a very weird vibe. I'll just say that. I mean, there are a lot of jokes being thrown around that were off color in general leading up to the slur that Bob Huggins used. Jeff, I know that uh, you you were reached out to yesterday after yeah. this happened to give an official, I don't know, statement, commentary, whatever you want to call it, on what you think happened here and what should happen to Bob Huggins. What do you think should happen to Coach Huggins?
2: You know, I I would like to think uh, that Huggins realized uh, what a poor choice of words that that he used in this. And again, it was a – a radio interview with people that he was obviously familiar with they were kind of egging him out a little bit um he was telling a story there's no excuse for for what he said there's no excuse for using that word um but i just feel like you know in this day and age we get crucified and and, and do get canceled for one word and i i hope that isn't the case for bob huggins i mean he seemed deeply apologetic in the statement I, I want to see, I want to talk to him. Uh, I want to hear from him, but ultimately again, for all the good he's done for people uh, in this sport and, and, and even out of the sport for people, when you talk to enough coaches, when you talk to enough players about what this guy has meant to them, you know, I, I hope he doesn't get uh, fired for this, but again, I, I think he's going to have to come out and and we're going to have to see Bob Huggins and, 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 you know, there's a, these statements are hard.
3: Well, I'm going to jump in here for Jeff because Jeff's Wi-Fi is frozen. But look, the, the issue that I have uh, with the statement that was made is that that was very clearly not something that came directly from Huggins, right? That came from some uh, a PR person that came from whatever lawyers that West Virginia has contracted to be able to um, to write that thing out. The The question that I have, there, there well, there's two, Greg. The first is that if you go back and you look to, I want to say, the fall of 2021, uh, Huggins invited Tom Brenneman into his practice, right? Tom Brenneman, of course, being uh, the radio announcer for the Reds that got caught on a hot mic uh, using a homophobic slur, the same homophobic slur uh, that um, that Bob Huggins used, and he lost his job and lost his career over it. Uh, and Huggins should have been, and is very, very well aware, of what happens when you use that word in a public setting when you shouldn't use it so i don't want to hear any excuses the the apologies kind of uh when it is a statement that is put out on a graphic by an press release by the program that rings hollow to me i need him to get up there on the stage get asked questions by reporters and apologize that way that way I, I, i want to see that from him before i say it the other part of it is that if you are for any public company right any company period If you are the biggest public facing employee and you use that word in a public setting like that, where are you going to survive that? Right. I I don't, I don't know where you do. So um, I think this is going to put West Virginia to the test to see how much Huggins really means to that program really means to that team, because I think that there is a very real argument to make that they should that, that he should be fired. Um, Personally, I, I don't, I don't know. I think that it is something where um, it's very difficult for me to make the argument that he should keep his job. I think that's the the way that I would phrase it. Uh, I don't envy the person that has to make that decision for someone that is now a hall of famer for someone that is one of the icons of the sport. But at the end of the day, he went on a public radio show and twice said one of the words that you absolutely cannot say as a public facing employee. Um, There there's no excuse. There's I don't know how you walk this thing back. I don't think that you can. And if he ends up losing his job, I don't think that he has anyone to blame but himself.
1: Yeah, to your point on Tom Brenneman. He did lose his job after his incident occurred Uh, again. He was a Cincinnati host, right, or a play by play for Cincinnati. So similar spot to where this radio show occurred. Um, Does tenure matter here? I mean, it shouldn't. I think, right? Like if Bob Huggins wasn't Bob Huggins, I think he's probably gone. But the elephant in the room is he's Bob Huggins. He's a legend mm-hmm. in this game. He's been here for forever. It's a much more difficult decision to fire Bob Huggins when he says this than like some fifth-year head coach who has no history as a potential Hall of Famer in college basketball, right?
3: Yeah, but the other part of the the flip side of that is he's a guy who has how many years left in his coaching career? Um, who has been to how many NCAA tournaments in the last five years? I think he has one NCAA tournament win uh since 2018. So it's it's not like you're firing a guy that would be at the peak of his powers, right? And I, I it saddens me that if this is the end of Huggins' career, that this is the way that it ends, that this is what people will remember him for, right? As opposed to being the guy who if you go go talk to any player that's played for him. Like they'll they will literally run through a wall for that dude right? Even if it's not someone that has the same uh, political leanings as them. Um, He coaches people hard. You know what the cliche is. You coach hard, you love harder, right? That's the only way that you're able to get guys to play for you. And I I know guys that have played for him, and I know what they think about him as a human being. So um, I do think that it would be a sad thing if this is the way that his career ends. But again, like he said, one of the things that you absolutely cannot say point blank period he said one of the words that you absolutely cannot say um and i I just if this is the if this is the way that it ends i don't think that there's anybody that can sit here and say that he should not have lost his job over this so it's it's sad it sucks and i hate again i hate that this is what we have to talk about in the offseason i just i hate that these are the conversations right but it's it's very difficult for me to to sit here and, and put together an argument that says that he should keep his job for any reason beyond the fact that he is Bob Huggins, right?
1: Yeah. As difficult as it is for us to make the argument that he should keep his job, it's also incredibly easy to just not say what he said. Like this is one of the things that always comes back to me whenever there's controversy or, or a, a mistake made at a high level from a public facing figure is like, it's incredibly easy to just not do whatever these scandals often are. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly it, it was said as if it was a humorous joke. It's just not a humorous joke. Not in this There's day and age. There's
3: nothing
4: funny
1: about it. Not ever. So um, what do you think? Does West Virginia, and I, I will say this as well. We lost Jeff Goodman quickly into the show. We're trying to get him back. Hopefully we'll get him back here any minute. Um, is there a timeline you expect a firm answer from West Virginia on this, Rob?
3: Um. I think they need to take their time on it. If you're going to make a decision this big, I think you need to take your time on it. But this, at the same time, I do think that the longer that this plays out, uh, the more likely it is that he will keep his job because the public furor will kind of die away. So, um, it's it's man, it sucks. Goodman, you are uh, you are now back. Um, let's wrap it up. Give me give me one more minute. Finish your thought on on Huggins, and then uh, let's move on.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, like I was saying, as, uh, Comcast was so kind uh, to take care of me here. Um, I, I, I think West Virginia right now, from talking to people uh, close to the situation, obviously they're, they're looking into it. They're going to talk to him. It's, it's obviously above the new athletic director's head. This goes to the presidential level at West Virginia. I, I think it's ultimately going to come down to, to some of the perception around there and some of the reaction. And and obviously how Hugs uh, is able to communicate uh, how contrite he is after the comments he made, but I expect hey, something. I, mean, here- I said, well,
3: you were gone. The, the the one thing I said is that he needs to get up on a podium and answer to this and be apologetic in person. Sure. You can't hide behind a statement written by a, a lawyer and a, and a and a PR like when you say something like that and you offend a lot of people with that word, you have to get yeah. up and you have to. We need to see you apologetic and understanding that, that, that you made a pretty, a pretty massive mistake.
2: No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, and I think he knows he screwed up obviously at this point. And the, the question is, um, are, 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 they okay with it going forward? Because, you know, here's, here's one thing I'll say it's a lot of the words, and I'm not excusing hugs in any way, but a lot of the words, some of the words, um, that are not acceptable now. And I'm, I'm a little bit older than you guys were acceptable, even when I was growing up. And again, hugs should know better. Obviously you should never use that word now or 30 years ago, but it was accepted at one point is all I'm saying. And, and that's the the part right now that I think we've got to understand is that some of the, the verbiage, this word shouldn't have been in anybody's vocabulary. Um, and and Hugs admitted that that he screwed up here, but some of the verbiage that that is used uh, or was used years ago that's not now. It, listen, some of these guys are older; they're older, and and they don't understand it, and they use words that they remember hearing with their family or growing up. Um, you know, so it is what it is. But I, I like I said, I hope Hugs doesn't get fired because of this. Cause ultimately he's done a lot of good over the course of his career in his life for people.
3: Yeah. I just, yeah. Uh, last thing I want to say before we, we move on is that I understand he comes from a different generation. I just, I don't, I don't accept that as an excuse for in this instance. So that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I agree.
2: Yeah, truth
1: is the sport of college basketball has changed immensely in 30 years so has the world you can't build a team the same way you would have 30 years ago you can't do many things you did 30 years ago or say many things you did Um. All right, final 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 one word answer from both of you on this then we'll move to the next topic is Bob Huggins the coach at West Virginia game one of this season yes or no
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
2: so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I say no. I say he's suspended
3: at the very least.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, at the very least, he's not coaching
3: the opener. Yeah, Rob- he's, not, he's not coaching game one. I think that it's, I would say that it's a legitimate 50 50 coin flip as to whether or not he will still be employed by the university at that point.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, unfortunately, this is not the only scandal in college sports that we need to talk about today. Uh, betting has sort of ravaged college sports in general in the last week. If you have not heard, Alabama baseball has an ongoing investigation. They have fired their head coach, Brad Bohannon for his involvement in sizable wagers. He scratched a starting pitcher, brought in a reliever last minute. They got swept by their rival LSU and somebody was making money off it. And Brad Bohannon knew that that's an ongoing investigation, but that moved very quickly in less than seven days from when the games occurred to Brad Bohannon's no longer the coach. Well, Yesterday, it breaks that 111 total individuals, including athletes from Iowa and Iowa State, baseball, football, basketball, track and field, a bunch of sports at these two schools are involved in another investigation for their uh, betting on on their sports. This is insane. It's probably not going to be the last we hear of an incident like this. And the truth is, this is very unregulated right now. All of this is handled on a state-by-state basis where gaming commissions have to look into this, investigate, report findings, and then the universities have to deal with whatever the results are. Rob, what do you make of all of this?
3: Um, first and foremost, I think the fact that it is now regulated. And it is something that is monitored by organizations outside of just Vegas and outside of just your neighborhood bookie uh, is the reason why things like this get picked up. Um, we'll get into the the Alabama coach in a second, because that's actually like one of the funniest and dumbest things I've ever, ever heard in my entire life. Uh, as far as the Iowa players are concerned, um, Brett McMurphy today of the Action Network uh, had a report that said, that there was zero evidence of suspicious wagering activity or match fixing involving any Iowa or Iowa state sporting event, which to me says that some of these kids bet on something, right? An Iowa track and field athlete bet on an NFL game, a basketball player bet on a baseball, like a a pro baseball game, which like, I don't care that much about. You don't have to worry about these kids getting to debt. when When you have to load something on bet rivers, you're not doing it on credit. Uh, bet rivers is not coming to break your legs if you can't pay because you have to get the money there up front you're not betting on credit there so um, i think at some point and jeff I, I want your response to this in a second uh at some point we have to come to the 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 acceptance that as long as you're not betting on your school or your sport you probably got to let these kids like if a, if a high, college basketball player wants to bet on an nfl game like are we really going to sit here and and focus on that. Do we really want to turn those situations into scandals? It's just going to be a Pandora's box. It's going to be a nightmare to deal with. Um, as far as the Alabama coaches, like I think that the way that this is currently set up with, uh, with, with legal gambling is why things like this ended up getting caught. So this is what happened. The Al- Alabama baseball coach called a dude in Ohio and told him Look, this this uh we're not going to have the starting pitcher. I need you to go bet like thousands and thousands of dollars on us to lose more or less, right? So they go there, they put in this bet. Uh they're betting five figures on a sport where there's almost no betting on it. Like there's n- who is Have you ever he- even heard of college baseball lines? Like, hey, speak, thing, for your, that, speak
1: for yourself, Rob.
3: Yes. That's barely I, a thing. I anyway, have, no, here, a hold on, hold on, got. Goodman. Hold on, hold that's on. That's the have. point. Here's here's the point. So Um, you're betting on college baseball where there's like almost no action on any game and you're betting a ton of money on it that is immediately going to get flagged they're immediately going to investigate that and when they did they found that the coach was literally on the phone with the dude that was placing the bets at the time that he was placing the bets right so that this is like a whole this is an example of like the dumbest way to do it but the easiest place to fix games are going to be like the low major level right but the problem is it's going to be very 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 difficult to legally get down enough money money to make it be worth the risk that you're taking because it's going to get flagged if you bet ten thousand dollars on a game where there's usually five hundred dollars in action they are going to investigate that i promise you it is going to get looked into and if it seems at all suspicious you're probably going to end up getting caught because all of this stuff is regulated now Um, and when it gets to the higher levels like the games where you actually have thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars potentially six figures in the books that are taking these bets you have to get to such a high level for a high major basketball player or a high major football player to take the risk of fixing a game, right? It's just, you're you're talking about a ton of money and I don't know if that's worth it for them. I don't even know, if you could offer a kid $100,000 to fix a game, I don't even know if that's gonna be worth it for these guys that we're talking about getting like 400, $500,000 in NIL, right? So I, I know that this is stuff that's headlines and it's gonna continue to be headlines as we kind of navigate this new world. I just don't think that this is necessarily something where you're like, all right, blow it all up, get rid of illegal, get rid of legal sports betting. At, at the end of the day, like the reason when it's regulated, you're gonna catch this stuff. So I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing. And frankly, I think we need to kind of uh, tweak the way that the NCAA will look at what is allowed for gambling and what is not allowed for gambling for college athletes.
2: Yeah, just so yeah, easy. That's that's the thing. It's just so easy for these huh? kids now. That's that's the the, it just wasn't as easy years ago to you had to go to a bookie and there were steps. Now it's just it's so easy to place a bet and the culture has changed to where it's most. Honestly, most college kids are gambling. They are gambling because their buddies are gambling. Uh, It just again, it wasn't like that uh, when I was in college. So it's it's made it easy for these athletes to be able to do it. And again, even if they're not doing on their own sport, well, they have access to inside info on you know. You don't think the Iowa, Bas, you don't think the McCaffrey's have information. I'm not pointing out the McCaffrey's, but I'm just saying they have information about they might be boys with with somebody in the baseball team. Well, you know, last I checked, Connor played on the baseball team, so my guess is he's got some information. And and, and I'm again, I'm using him as an example here, but I'm saying they are friendly with other people in other sports so they do have inside info so they're gonna be gambling maybe on those other sports i don't know it, it's it's a slippery that's slip, why guys. I'm. that's it why is. i'm
3: saying if you're gonna don't ban it on betting on your sport if you're a college athlete and ban betting on your school So you use the condom. anything involving
2: your school, anything involving your school. Yes.
3: If you are an Iowa basketball player, you cannot bet on college basketball and you cannot bet on Iowa football, Iowa baseball, Iowa basketball, Iowa women's basketball, Caitlin Clark, team total overs. What about about water polo?
2: What about water polo,
3: Rob? If you can find a line for Iowa water polo, then I think anybody should be allowed to bet on that. And in fact, I would encourage going to the Bet Rivers app and betting as much as you can on water polo. You can bet on table tennis. Hey, there's There's no way they got sharp lines on Iowa water polo. There's no way there are sharp lines on Iowa water polo. There's just
1: a lot of gray area here is the truth. And I, I think this is going to be a very long ongoing thing because we're going to hear more and more situations like this pop up. And it's all gonna be different. Every single one on a case by case basis is gonna have different characteristics to it, different numbers to it, different situations. But yeah. um I don't think like I don't think a, a realistic solution is what you just laid out. That would be ideal from a better's perspective, right? Because betting's still gonna happen. But to your point, Jeff, everybody knows everybody. Athletes know other athletes even at other schools that would give right. them access to information that the public just doesn't have so uh we'll see it'll be fascinating to watch play out i do find it absolutely hey, if you're not allowed to, to gamble
3: it. when you get access to information that the public doesn't have then you need to bet rivers needs to come here and revoke my license okay like get get it out of my hands <laughs>
1: I find it absolutely you don't have any hilarious. Info. You have no I real have, info. We, I have we some. know your sources.
3: I have, some. He know, I have some. He knows
1: people who have info. I I find it hilarious that it's Iowa for this. You're really telling me Brian Ference isn't involved in some unders? <laughs> really? You're telling me that? Come on, At point you. No chance, folks. Uh, all right, we're about five minutes away from a live announcement from Noah Tomasin. So if you're waiting for that, it, it's coming. It's
2: Thomason, by the way. Am I think uh, saying it, it like wrong? Thomason. Tom- Thomason. Tom- yeah. yeah. Thompson.
1: I so. like right. yes. I, I put extra emphasis on it, man. It's a great name. Um, <laughs> okay. l- let's talk Bronny quickly. Uh it commits to USC. There's now a three headed monster backcourt, Boogie Ellis, Isaiah Collier, LeBron James Jr. Jeff, is Bronny James a one and done?
3: Uh, you know what, Jeff, hold that thought real quick. Uh we gotta we gotta head to break, um, Greg. But on the other side of this break, we were gonna talk to Noah oh. Thomason. Thomason. For today's episode is Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 during the college basketball season, and I loved the impact that it had on my energy levels. I'm a big coffee-in-the-morning guy. But by the time that the afternoon would hit, I needed another boost. AG1 helped me tremendously, especially on those days when I didn't want to get up off the couch and go hit the gym. Their tagline is AG1 is comprehensive health and the power of habit in one. And, man, that could not be more is what you need from your supplement routine then athletic greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase go to athleticgreens.com backslash field six eight that's field six eight f-i-e-l-d the number six the number eight and you can get yours now so check it out and help support this show thanks back it's the field of 68 live and we have some
1: big news we have Noah Thomason here all conference at Niagara last year 19 points three rebounds three assists per game and he is going to be making his decision first of all Noah congratulations I know this is such an exciting moment how are you feeling right now man
4: I'm good man I'm fired up um, kind of ready to get this out to the world so I can you know start my, my next chapter man and, and get ready to work
2: you know th- this is pretty cool because of your story, Noah. Your backstory is is pretty incredible. You know, coming out of of high school, didn't have a lot going on. You go to Houston Baptist at that point. Now it's Houston Christian. You go for a year, uh, and then you end up going junior college. You go to Butler Community College. Coming out of there, I believe you had one offer, and that was Niagara. So you got to go across the country to Niagara, where you turn into an absolute stud for Greg Paulus. And now you got all these big boys beating down your door. Just talk a little bit about the journey and what it's been like. It's probably been a little bit of a roller coaster ride for you, hasn't it?
4: Oh, of course, man. I mean, um, kind of like a, a level of, of uncertainty the whole time. You kind of really don't know what's going on. Um, you know, going into my senior year, I had a Division two offer and a junior college offer. Um, so the whole year, I was just trying to prove myself the entire time and, um, you know, try to get that Division one offer that I was looking for um you know going to Houston Baptist it it was a great experience for me I got to learn a lot from a lot of older guys who went on to be pros it was a tough year for us um you know not really winning but it was still a learning experience um and then I I felt like I wanted to be a part of something special so I bet on myself and went to junior college
3: so so Noah when you started getting some of these calls from some of the high major programs and high major coaches that that have been recruiting you was that were you were you expecting that when you put your name in the portal? Like, is it I mean, when 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 you when you declare or when you put your name in the portal, like, did it surprise you to see some of these big names? Because there's some big programs that have been on your tail. Um, of
4: course, man. Um, obviously, you know, my my story that I have, I'm, I'm not really used to hearing from these big time schools. So when <laughs> I entered the portal at first, man, it was it was a little, you know, starstruck a little bit. But um, I was very thankful to be in this, this position that I'm in. So as you
1: started to evaluate your options, as Rob alluded to them, some big day programs came calling. What became most important to you as you began the decision making process?
4: Um, When I was making this process, me and my mother and my my AAU coach, Coach Ken Gamble, um, we we broke down every every school that was recruiting me. kind of the levels that they recruited me at. Was the head coaches calling me or was it just assistants or um, ops guys, all that different kind of things. And then once we narrowed it down to about 10 schools, we looked at, you know, what what's, what school has a strong roster together? What team has a chance to really do something special if they add me? Um, and then we went from there and then that's when I broke it down to my final five and then we started taking visits.
2: All right, so Noah, uh, I talked to Greg Polish for a while who coached you at Niagara. I've known him forever. And I said, all right, Describe his game for me. Who's he like? He said, like, kind of like James Harden. He's a poor man, James Harden. 6'3", <laughs> lefty, big, strong, you know, scoring guard. Give me the scouting report on your game.
4: Um, like you said, left hand. Uh, you know, a lot of teams try to force me right, but um, I, I think I just have a, a knack of getting, being able to get to the basket and not only create for myself, but create for my teammates. Um, if, if I have to scout against myself, um I would probably say try to make him use his right hand and make him take tough tough tubes I mean I think that's what everybody uh make them take tough shots um I think this year I had a a, a very very high luck of making a lot of tough shots but I think getting to the basket getting downhill creating for my teammates is, is something that's my strong suit.
3: Do you play defense? Because I know that's not really James Harden strong suit. <laughs> hey, hey. Oh, I,
4: I, I, I mean, I played for Greg Paulus, man, a guy that, that he played at Duke where they play defense. So. Paulus didn't guard. He just slapped the floor, Noah. He didn't <laughs> guard at all. He looked like he was guarding when he slapped the floor. Nah, I mean, um, you know, the, the thing for me every night was to guard the best player. Um, I know that I was going to be one of the better players on the floor, but if I can't guard, then I don't have a chance, so –
1: I'm curious, what's the ceiling on your beard? Is this like 10%? If it's a James
4: Harden comp, I mean, how much more Um, do we have there? I cut it down recently, so it can get a little longer than this, but I don't really want the James Harden beard. (laughs) I kind of want to do my own thing with that one.
2: A lot of of food stuck in that beard. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right, (laughs) who who are you looking at, Noah? First, before you make your announcement, tell people who it came down to.
4: Um, my, I mean, my final five, which is all great programs, you know, great coaching staff They came down to University of San Francisco, um, St. John's University, um, Penn State, Pittsburgh, and Jordan.
2: All right, let's do it, my man. Let's do it. The time is now. Where are you going to continue and finish your college career?
4: Okay, well, um, after a long, long process through this transfer portal, um, first, I'd like to thank every school that's, that's reached out to me and, re- and took their time to recruit me. Um, you know, it's a blessing to be in this position. I'd like to thank my parents um, just for kind of being by my side. But for the next year, I'll be um, – I'm going to say this now. Ring the bell. I'll be playing for Mike White, University of Georgia.
2: Woo. Congrats, man. Congrats. congrats, man. congrats. Huge. There. That's big time. Big time going to the SEC, uh, playing for Mike White, a program that's certainly on the uptick right now. Why? Why did you pick, you know, Mike White in Georgia? You have Rick Pitino in St. John's. You had some really good coaches and programs in there. Why Georgia?
4: Uh, like I said, man, every every coaching staff was a really great coach. This was a hard decision to make because all these schools are good schools. Um, I think they were just one of the first, you know, schools to really reach out to me and kind of build a bond and relationship. Um, you know, I got to see them multiple times, kind of hear their faces and hear what their goals are for me. And, um, I mean, my dad lives in Atlanta, so that's not that far from Athens. So, you know, when, when, I, when I looked at this, man, I was like, it just feels like home, so – No, you talked about this, you
1: talked about this roster um, before you made your announcement, right? You said you were looking at rosters.
4: Who are you excited to play with on this Georgia team next year? I mean, Justin Hill's my guy. Um, you know, I've been knowing him since we were eight or nine years old. We, we played AAU together in the seventh grade uh, with Gulf Coast Blue Chips. So that, that was somebody that, you know, a chance to play with him again would be cool. And I have another funny story. Um, Big Russ um, that just committed to him from South Florida. I – um. I scored my first college points against him, so I, I kind of drove off. He was at Texas Tech at the time. I was at Houston Baptist. We we um we played him at Midland College in like a neutral site kind of game, and um I got in with about two minutes to go, and and they in Texas Tech they can really guard, and, and um um uh, he fouled me. I got to the free throw line. I made both free throws. So that's that's kind of an interesting story too. Never let him forget right. it, man. Never let
3: him forget it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and be, before before we let you go, I can't let you go without giving me. Uh, your most embarrassing, your favorite story on Paulus. All right. You got to give me something good here because, you know, the thing with Paulus was when he was a player at Duke, right? You go in after the game and he, he was already a coach. He would never screw up in what he said. He was politically, like everything about him was like perfect. There's got to be something. First of all, like, can he play at all anymore? Or, or do you guys just absolutely crush him when he tries to get out there and play pickup?
4: Oh, well, I know he's going to try to tell you that he doesn't play anymore, but he's not telling the truth. He gets out there and plays, man. He'll throw a no-look pass, and then he'll tell our big man, like, you better have your hands ready when you're playing with me. So I'll tell you the funniest story. When we were we were in practice, we were, we were prepping for Kinesis and he checks the ball up to me, and, and I have my hand down. He just walks in and, and shoots like an NBA three-pointer. And then after that, I was like, nah, man, you're not scoring no more for the rest of the day. But um, <laughs> I think I think with him, the the biggest thing was just learning from a point guard. Um, He taught me a lot of things in my two years here, how to run a team, you know, how to get certain guys to kind of buy into what you want to do. You can't yell at everybody. You kind of got to put your arm around them. He was great at doing that with me. So um, I took a lot from Coach Paulus, man. Shout out to him.
2: Yeah, great, great human being. Uh, He says the same about you. Didn't, you know, couldn't stop raving when he was talking not only about you as a player and what you did for that Niagara program, uh, but also as a person and what Mike White and and the Georgia Bulldogs are going to get next year. So, Noah, congrats, my man. Um, Good luck next season in Athens, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, for sure. Thank you, guys. Congrats, Congrats, Noah. Noah. All right. All right, that was
1: Noah Thompson, Niagara to Georgia. Huge get for Mike White. It'll be very exciting to watch him in the SEC. The James Harden comp, too, man. I love that. I mean, listen, that's a huge ad. That's a huge ad. (laughs) All right. I I teased this before the show, or uh, before the announcement. Bronny, USC, Isaiah Collier, Boogie Ellis, Bronny all in one backcourt. Jeff, I posed the question to you, so I'm coming right back to you. Is Bronny James good enough to be a one-and-done? And And whether or not he's good enough,
2: is he a one-and-done? Right. If his name wasn't Bronny James, he's not a one-and-done. But because he's the son of LeBron... He will be a one and done, and I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't. I don't. I don't enjoy what what LeBron is doing with Bronny here, putting the pressure on him. I hope that's not what he's doing, but he has made it no secret he wants to play with his son, which I get. I understand that. I applaud that. I love their relationship. I love how involved LeBron is uh, in watching, you know, Bronny uh, play over the years. I've seen him several times. Love it, but again. Don't put pressure on this kid that I don't think is really ready to be one and done. He's going to be their third perimeter player. Boogie Ellis is a fifth-year kid. Um, Isaiah Collier might be the number one player in the country and an elite electric point guard. I love Bronny as a player. I think he's going to be – like if you said to me, hey, in three years, maybe he could be a lottery pick if his name wasn't – Bronny James, I would say, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm, buying that. He knows how to play, does everything well, nothing exceptional. He's not LeBron James or anything close to it, but he's a really good player who's gotten better and better and better every time I've seen.
3: Yeah, I'm going to be very interested to see what role he plays um, for USC. You know, I think the combination of having two guys that are kind of pure point guards that are also kind of smaller guards in the backcourt in front of them um will mean that he's kind of in a role where he's playing off the ball there's not a lot of pressure on him like a three and d kind of a guy uh but he's also six three, 190 right like we're not talking about a six seven dude we're talking about a six foot three dude um and that kind of limits what you can be at the nba level right i think he's going to be a fantastic college basketball player and a guy that helps you win basketball games like well, that's the will thing. he
2: ever be fantastic rob because in order to be fantastic he's probably got to stay more than a year
3: I think he'll be, I mean, I think, think he's going, going to be fantastic as a freshman. I think he's going to be very, very good in his role. I don't think he's going to what's be an American. Average?
2: Okay. If I ask you now, how many minutes is he going to play and what, what are his, what's his production going to be like at the end of his freshman year? Go ahead.
3: 22 to 25 minutes. I think that he will average like nine to 11 points, couple rebounds, couple assists, Shoot it like 38% from three. I think that you, if he has a year that's kind of on par with what Amari Bailey had this season at UCLA, I would call that a successful season for Bronny. Amari Bailey is going to be a one and done. He's going to be a top 40 pick. If that happens with Bronny, I would not be shocked. I don't think this but kid's going to be a top pick.
2: 40 pick. Bronny will be a, a top. See,
3: my take on this
2: is, and, and I know I'm spinning it forward here, but if I'm an NBA franchise, am I really taking Bronny James in the lottery. I say no way in hell. No, you're not. But,
3: but here's the, but here's what's going to happen. Maybe. He's not I he's not going to be a first round pick and he's going to end up not getting picked by someone in the second oh, round but he because he could be an, he could be a first round pick. But who's going to take him in the first round?
1: Uh, Somebody that wants LeBron round. James.
2: Right, right, <laughs> like yes. come on, fellas. Yes. Maybe. If you're if you're San Antonio and you have a second first round pick but like 28. <laughs> Why wouldn't you take Bronny James? I mean, I'm all in for that. I'm not all in for taking, you know, a lottery pick on, on Bronny James. I'll
3: take him in the late 20s sure yeah, what's good what would happen here's the truth what's going to happen is someone's going to take Bronny, and then lebron is gm lebron is going to force the trade <laughs> of <probably>. course <laughs> what do you want you want anthony davis we'll give you anthony davis or Bronny. Yeah. let's do it right now how-, <laughs> how
1: funny would it be if some super small market team did that and then they LeBron should just devastated <laughs> by that's it, what right? should happen at the end of what the if day, he got Portland. drafted
3: by memphis <laughs> oh my god oh
1: my god that'd be so good um so, all right, final question on Bronny and USC, because I, I actually love Bronny the player. You can say whatever you want about where he should be rated. The connection I do too. All that. Mm-hmm. But is this the best backcourt in the country in college basketball next season? No. Cause cause I, you're I'm too most fresh. curious how he fits in with Collier and with Boogie Ellis, right? Because that right. alone is a top five backcourt in the country. Now you add a third guard to it who can do a lot of things.
2: Well, if Collier can shoot, that's going to be the key for him. Um, you know, I'll take the, the two-headed monster of Tyrese Hunter and Max Aismas over probably – again, they're freshmen. Collier's a freshman. Bronny doesn't play like a freshman. That That's that's the part of Bronny that's overlooked is, like, how poised, how smart, how mature his game has become. And, and him as a teammate, man, I've said this over and over. Like, I gush when I watch um, Bronny James play.
3: And Goodman froze again.
2: Because I didn't teammate. You can tell. Back. Everybody oh, he's it.
3: back. He only he only froze. I, for my money, I think that the the best backcourt in the country this year is going to be Tyrese Proctor and whoever is starting the backcourt with him. Wow. That's my hot take. Rob, I'm going Rob is on that so one. in on. Like, oh honestly, Tyrese Proctor,
2: he's got him on a pedestal. He's going to be National Player of the Year. That's for, a for horrendous Dosser.
1: take. That's way. That's we'll like see. a midseason form spice take, not a May 9th we'll spice see. take. That's we'll
2: a, see.
3: All right, yes, let's,
1: let's move on. We have a lot else to get to here in the final 15 minutes. I want to talk about Ron Holland, uh, decommitted from Texas. Is it Arkansas? Jeff, what are you hearing?
2: Yeah, I mean, I heard from the moment he decommitted. There are some uh, factors in play there that have him uh, leaning or have people leaning him towards Arkansas. I, I won't say exactly what they are, but um, there is a coach uh, who, who's who's helped pushing him to Arkansas, and that's that's kind of where that comes in. Um, you know, listen, he's a hard playing forward. I, I don't think he's the number one player in the country, you know, but he plays his his you know what off. And uh he would help Arkansas immensely in that area because he's not your typical freshman. Like a lot of these freshmen, again, he brings a skill to the table right away, which is his motor, his athleticism, his motor, his ability to like he he'll he can be exceptional uh in the open court and on the glass. So um it'd be a hell of a get you know g-league ignite is probably arkansas's biggest competition right now from what i'm here
3: yeah i think that it'd be very interesting to see a team uh coached by mus with that That you they look he thrives with guys that are those like six seven crazy athletes hard playing forwards a jordan walsh a ron holland put them with Travon brazil at the five and a couple of backcourt guards whether it's l ellis jaman mark devo davis um Give them a couple, give them bucket getters in the backcourt to shut down defender athletes at the three and the four, and Travon Brazil at the five. That's a really good Arkansas team to me, and a team that can compete for an SEC uh, championship next year, I think.
1: All right, if we were listing out the three big freshmen for Arkansas last year, Jordan Wall, she mentioned him. Rob, positionally, he makes the most sense to compare to Holland, but Anthony Black, Nick Smith, also. Where is Holland as far as impact for Arkansas? next year if he's playing for the Razorbacks? Is he at the top of that group of four? Is he below Anthony Black, ahead of Nick Smith? Because we didn't see a lot of Nick Smith. Where would you see him?
3: I mean, I think it it was – I think his impact would be – remember Justin Smith, the five-man that they had in 2021, the year that they made it to the Final Four? Like, that's kind of what Ron Holland's impact is going to end up being. So I don't know if it's necessarily going to be something where he shows up averaging 18 a game. Like he's not really a guy that that's not really his game, right? Jeff? Like he's he's going to go out there, he's going to make. They're not running plays for him. you are yeah, not running plays get for him. Yeah. Rebounds.
2: Right. Yeah. The problem so, uh, is here is my issue. You're adding Ron Holland to a team that already doesn't have a lot of perimeter shooting, so you're adding another dude. And and to me, you're just going to zone the hell out of Arkansas, and and, and it takes the Arkansas a while to get going, and they're going to be good again. We know they're going to be good because Musk is a hell of a coach and he's he's collected enough talent through the portal. And if he adds Ron Holland, I just don't think they can be a win it all type team without better shooting.
3: Yeah, just just remember, Jeff, if they get Ron Holland, he has until February to figure out how to shoot. That's nine months, because the season in Arkansas, the season doesn't start in November in Fayetteville. The season starts in February. That's so true. <laughs> Extremely true.
1: I hope Muss is working on his pecs for his next shirtless appearance next season. Yeah. We'll see if Holland comes. He will certainly need to. Uh, let's talk. Mackenzie Mbako requested his release after Filipowski announced his return to Duke. It's been pretty quiet ever since. Jeff, what are you hearing there?
2: You know, not a lot. Honestly, not a lot. I know uh, a bunch of schools think they have a good shot. It's almost got a little bit Hunter Dickinson vibe here with um, a lot of coaches not really having a good feel for where he's going to end up. Louisville felt w- really strong early when it all opened up. Uh, he just took a visit there. Uh, Kansas feels pretty good, too, from what I'm hearing. Uh, you know, obviously he's done the, the St. John's thing where he could be, you know, certainly more of a star close to home if, if he decided to play for Rick Pitino. Um, I, I just – Honestly, I, I think a lot of people are right now in the dark at what he's going to do.
3: I hope I hope he ends up at Kansas because Kansas just makes so much sense in terms of uh, what they need, a shooter, the role that he can kind of play in that kind of three-slash-four role. I think that you could put him on the floor at the same time as Hunter Dickinson and K.J. Adams and have it make sense. And I think if you look at the guys yeah. that have played those ring, those wing roles – um, for, uh, for Bill Self over the years and the development that we see out of them, uh I think that it just makes a lot of sense for McKenzie. To I end up disagree. There. I disagree. He should go to St. John's. He should go to St. John's. Well, that this was, I was gonna more of a say, guy if there. Not, if it's not yeah. Kansas, go to go to St. John's. Because,
2: and they got Dennis Jenkins. They got yes. a good point guard and a hall. Ho- Listen, Bill Self, Rick Pitino, you know, in terms of coaches, mm-hmm. they're one A and one B in terms of being able to develop their guys. I just think Baco will get a lot more play and a lot more run at Kansas. He's a piece and he might average, honestly, seven a game at St. John's. He's going to average 14, 15 a game by default.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, We just got a text from our producer, Dagan Hughes, superstar saying is Rob on bill self's payroll right now. It's It's unbelievable.
2: He wants everybody to go to Kansas.
3: Everybody like what's 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 shocking. What's shocking is I have now become the the Kansas Homer on the show when Jeff Goodman is on the show, it's amazing. It's impressive. Can't stuff. Believe it.
1: It's very <laughs> impressive stuff. Hey, speaking of Kansas guys, let's talk about my former franchise center, who is now Kansas Jayhawks star wow. player next season, Hunter Dickinson. Uh, he spurned a lot of people here. Surprise, surprise. Maryland thought he was going to come. Kentucky thought they had a chance. I don't know that Michigan thought they had a chance, but he was doing some ominous shit late that made me think there was a chance he was going to return. He's mm-hmm. in Lawrence. Uh, I want to ask you about Kentucky. What does Kentucky do now that Hunter Dickinson is not going to be their center next year? Is it Oscar Shibwe return time, Rob?
3: Oh, man. It'd be nice if he came back. I made this point the other day, Goodman. You got a lot of guys that shoot a lot of shots that are going to miss a lot of shots, and you need someone to clean up <laughs> yeah, the offensive true. glass. So yeah. Oscar Sheebway would average 17 offensive rebounds a game if he played with Robert Dillingham and DJ Wagner. Um, I – I'm very curious to see what this program will look like this season, right? Because you have a lot of guys that are highly rated freshmen. Assuming all five of them uh, make it to campus: Reed Shepard, Robert Dillingham, DJ Wagner, Justin Edwards, and Aaron Bradshaw. Um, but I don't. There's not a ton of like great shooters. There's not a ton of guys that have, if if Sheiway doesn't come back, that have had proven high level success at the college level. Like, are we betting on? chris livingston to step up and be a big role player on a Duke the road to, to step up when he has maybe four guys playing in they front gotta of them. have
2: reeves back they gotta yeah. have reeves
3: back have yeah, to. You, you need reeves back and i think if she isn't there you need like a big season from you going to kingsley um on yeso
2: or you go bradshaw i i know nobody wants to hear this but i, I might go man small and go bradshaw at the five some and Do just that. go just absolutely get it and go because, again, they're not great shooters, so you want to get as much as you can in transition. They are young. They are athletic. I love Dillingham. He's super electric. He's fun to watch. Like, again, I just think they're like, you know, to me, they're high-volume, low-efficiency guys, him and him, him, and Wagner. Love Edwards on the wing. I, I think Bradshaw and Edwards are your two best pro prospects. So they have to all sorts of talent, but ultimately – What does young freshman talent usually land you? Well, it usually lands you an early exit in the NCAA tournament, and John Calipari's had a few of those lately. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it's true. Um, If you were Kentucky and you had the option of Oscar Sheway back or you got Hunter Dickinson, is the answer Dickinson? Rob, I know you've had a lot of thoughts on Sheway being a limiting factor for Kentucky at times.
3: Yeah. He's not really great defensively. And I made it, I said something about two weeks ago where I said, I would rather have she way back than Hunter Dickinson. And I've had some time to think about that. And I would like to retract that statement and apologize. You want him again. I want oh. a Mulligan. Yeah. Uh, you want Hunter Dickinson? we uh, We'll give you uh, one. Okay.
2: All right. <laughs> I agree. Uh, because Hunter can step out. Hunter can space the court. Oscar cannot.
1: Yeah. I think people should be prepared for, uh, uh, maybe national people are expecting this more than people in my state of Michigan circles. I think Hunter's going to be awesome at Kansas. Me I just want to say that like there's, they're not going to need him to lead. They're just going to need him to show up, be an offensive force in a system that is great with centers and it, all the other extra shit that happens with Hunter Dickinson is fine. It can happen at Kansas. Cause Bill self can
2: deal with it. Bill right. self will figure it out. He's listen, he's had to coach the Morris twins, Thomas Robbins, like a lot of dudes that that haven't been uh, <laughs>
3: easy to coach. He'll be and able if you to. You want to talk about stuff going on around the program? They've literally spent the last six years dealing with this investigation into Adidas yes. and investigation into the FBI stuff. Which, like- which,
2: hey guys, might be ending soon. By the way, I'm hearing Ooh. we are coming. Close to the conclusion of of the Kansas situation, according to
3: my As soon as we get past the stupid FDI investigation, the biggest waste of time. Think about this. The biggest waste. College athletics has done a lot of dumb stuff and had a lot of wastes of time. This has been the biggest waste of time in the history of college athletics. Get it over. It's a joke. Rob, what's dumber, the FBI
1: investigation or being the Alabama head baseball coach and calling your friend to tell him to (laughs) place a ten thousand
2: dollar
3: bet? Second dumbest. Second. Was (laughs) it ten grand? Is that what it was? Ten grand. It was. It was. I just. I just threw that number out there. It was something like that. It was a very. You don't know. You should look into it. Under wraps.
1: All right, we uh we have some rapid-fire style questions here, guys, some conversation starters. Uh, I would love to hear from anybody watching this as well. We, we'll probably clip these individually and put them to social. So go ahead, let us know what you think, folks. Tell Jeff Goodman that he's being stupid when he gives us a stupid answer here. Shortly, let's go through them. First one, Danny Hurley just won his first national championship. What coach who has not won a national championship do you most want to see win their first national
2: title? Jeff, what's your answer? Rob, let, let Rob go first on all these. I haven't had a chance Mark to think about Few. any of
3: these. Mark Few at Gonzaga. I am sick of the people that, that want to come out here and crush this program because they've only been to two national title games in the last five years. I'm sick of people that don't recognize how great Gonzaga has been over the course of the last half decade, the last decade, the last two decades since 1999. Mark Few has built a juggernaut in Spokane. Yeah. Give him a title Uh, so people can stop ragging on him entirely. I'm going to go
2: Matt Painter. Matt Painter, Mm -hmm. Purdue, he's getting a ton of heat lately and has always done it the right way. That's my big thing with paint. And it's all on Hummel because if Hummel doesn't get hurt, Painter's probably already got a national title. So I blame it all on Robbie Hummel, as I do for everything.
1: Yeah, you stole my answer. Painter is the answer. The The most important box for me to check for this is I want it to be a person I know definitively is just a great guy. Matt Painter is probably yeah. at the top of my great guy power rankings in college basketball. Yeah. <laughs> and I think despite his lack of NCAA tournament success in general, he's done more with less with his teams as far as regular season goes for Purdue. He's had great teams, don't get me wrong, but uh, I would love to see that happen. And the Big Ten needs one. Let's be honest, folks. Next up, what's the best college basketball jersey Of all time, Rob.
3: Uh, So the biased Rob would say that it is the Yukon home whites, the throwbacks, the ones they wore when they, uh, when they won, I think they're undefeated in the last two years wearing them. You guys know which ones I'm talking about this, the, the unbiased Rob would say the one sitting right over your left shoulder, Greg, the baby blue Marquette jerseys with the, uh, the gold, the Navy and the, uh, the baby blue trim. Those are just so, so sexy.
1: Beautiful.
2: Jeff. Uh, I don't care. Arizona's (laughs) national title year in 97. I don't give a shit. This is why we
3: can't allow him on this, Greg. You go ahead. (laughs) Let's move on.
2: So I I have a hard time separating it
1: because I associate like I'm a jersey connoisseur. Clearly, I associate a best jersey with like a player that wore said jersey. Like I've got a Carmelo Syracuse back here. You can probably see a little bit. That's only cool because it was Carmelo Anthony wearing it. Right? Like you put somebody else in that jersey, I don't care as much. Uh, I am biased towards baby blue in general. Marquette's a great one. I put UCLA's just classic baby blues up there with the yellow. Carolina, you could throw in there maybe. Maybe a little blood stain. Tyler Hansbro, nose dripping. That could be a good one. Uh, baby blues. That's the answer. All right. What coach would you least like to play for? Let's put the caveat on this it has to be someone who has been highly successful. As a college basketball coach, who do you not want to play uh, for? Rob?
3: Who do I? Not, I'll, I'll tell you this: oh. um, I I would not want to play for Frank Martin because I do not have the ability to defend the way that he would require, and all I would do is just get yelled at non-stop over and over and over again. I would not enjoy playing for Frank Martin. I would want my son to play for him. me a little bit of discipline in that kid, but uh, yeah, I can't. I'm not playing for Frank Martin. <laughs> Jeff, I mean,
2: all right, so. <laughs> It's easy for me, but but again, you're going to say this guy shouldn't be eligible. All right? But for me, it's Bully Clyde Gillespie. I mean, nobody should have to play for him. Nobody, because he shouldn't be coaching anybody anymore. Um, but he was at Kentucky. He was at Texas a and Just a bad dude. Just a bad dude, period. Like, I wouldn't wish my worst enemy to have to play for Bully Clyde Gillespie. So okay. that's my <laughs> can I just, answer. Can I just say one thing? Yes. I thought we were going to yes. have
3: fun with this, and you just made me say Frank Martin when you said Bully Clyde. <laughs> Frank, I'm sorry. I love you, man. <laughs> yeah,
1: this is uh, enjoyable for me to watch you guys squirm with this. I'll go biased answer here. I don't want to play for Tom Izzo. I don't want to get yelled at. I don't want to get my jersey tugged. I don't care about the whole player relationship shit. I don't want it. And I know I'm not getting paid if I'm a Tom Izzo player. I want, I have and another I get, one. I want all that
2: stuff. I, I have, have another been. one. If we're going to go lighthearted, if we're going to go lighthearted, I don't want to play for John Shire. I mean, come on. I knew the kid was when he was 15 years old. I am not listening to anything John Shire tells me. So I, I have no chance I'm playing for Shire.
1: Okay. Okay. All right. Next up, which NBA star has been the biggest surprise to you that they have become a star based on what we saw in college? Rob, what you got?
3: It, to me, this one's easy. It's Devin Booker. I made the argument really? the other day. What? I made the argument the other day that I think he is the best shooting guard in college basketball. And after seeing him the way that that he played in college, like he was kind of a spot-up shooter that was hidden a little bit on a team where he came off the bench. And I think right now with what he does in ball screens, with how lethal he is in the pull-up Ooh. mid-range game, with how good of a passer he has developed into, I don't know, I don't think one, I don't think anybody's playing better than him in the playoffs right now. He has been absolutely fantastic and two, what he's developed into like I I think you can make an argument he's a top five player in the NBA playoffs right now he is an absolute killer I didn't see him getting to this level
1: no maybe ever go, I don't know that anyone's go more Greg go ever. Greg
2: while I think about this one
1: my my answer is Jalen Brunson and I don't know if he if he fits the qualification for star maybe but right he now he's he's one of the best players in the NBA he was the 33rd pick in the draft. That's no disrespect. We ranked him number one best college player in the last 20 years when we did that last offseason. But I did not expect small point guard winner to translate to the NBA and be like a first option on a playoff team. Crazy to me.
2: I mean, like the, the most obvious answer is Steph, isn't it? I mean, we all had questions about him. Maybe we forget, but I didn't think he could guard. I wasn't sure if he could play the point. I know he made that great, you know, unbelievable Cinderella run when he was at Davidson, but that didn't mean he was going to be never mind one of the top 10 players of all time, even an all-star in the NBA, an all-star. Most people thought like he was never going to be. So I would say the easy answer there is Steph Curry.
1: Yeah. Shout out Dave Kahn, uh, Ricky Rubio, Johnny Flynn, instead of Steph Curry. Good call. Good call, David. <laughs> all right. That's why uh... No
2: sports writer, no sports writer will ever, ever be an NBA GM. Again, David Kahn ruined it for all of us.
1: Yeah, tough, tough look there. All right, gentlemen, this was a blast. We got through a lot today. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Field of 68 will continue to do these shows every single week during the offseason, and we have plenty more in store as we approach the NBA draft for Rob Doster, for Jeff Goodman, for taking Hughes behind the scenes. I'm Greg Waddell. We'll see you next time.